Welcome to the Thrifty Titans podcast, your ultimate destination for razor sharp brand building and media insights. We bring you the wisdom of the most badass founders, media mavericks, indie hackers and content creators in the whole wide world and help you grow your business and your audience without losing your mind or breaking the bank. Join the ranks of the Thrifty Titans and together Let's build something extraordinary. This week, we proudly welcome Yuval Ketcher, a tech entrepreneur and UX design maestro. As the host of the Writers in Tech podcast and the mastermind behind UX Writing Hub and UX Writing Academy, Yuval has harnessed the true power of words, fuel remarkable business growth. His world's first U.S. writing boot camp has transformed countless professionals, enabling them to dominate the realm of U.S. writing and content design. On this week, we spent some time with you all diving deep into the art of crafting captivating narratives within apps that drive product-led growth. So brace yourself for an extraordinary journey. Hello, hello. Welcome to the You Incorporated podcast with me, Sekhar, your friendly neighborhood part-time creator and full-time media nerd. On this show, I catch up with some of the most badass founders, media mavericks and indie hackers in the whole wide world. And we have some truly insightful chats on startups, media and influence. The stuff that gets left out of the media headlines. Whether you're in a corporate, a startup, you own a legacy brand, a scrappy side hustle, or you're only a student. If you are keen to build your brand, your voice, your way, you're in the right place. Here we go. Welcome to the show, you are. Thank you so much, Sarkat, for the invite. Super excited to be featured on your podcast today. Great to have you on the show. Yuval, let's just dig right in. Could you break down for me in very simple terms how UX writing can really contribute to the success of an early stage startup? That's a very good question. Let's do a playful exercise real quick. So right. give me the type of product that you're talking about. Let's say it's a fintech product. You know what? Let's just... Uh, go for the worst kind of fintech, which is banking apps, okay? Right. Let's say that you want to join this bank, and now that mm-hmm. you're in that bank, they have an app. So they have some yes. kind of a digital experience in the past few years, many companies, fintech, startups, and so on, but also old companies like banks had to do digital transformation, so they had to build apps and stuff, website apps, and etc. And within that banking app, you want to do actions as user. You want to ask for a loan. You want to check your checking account. You want to invest in stocks. There's a lot of things you can do uh, in that specific banking app. Now, when everything is good, means, okay, if you're able to do all of the things in that app, that's fantastic. That's good user experience. But stuff... Bad stuff is happening when shit is the fan. When you want, for example, to 
I don't know, there is like a very specific use case, like someone asked for a check, which is something that, mm. I don't know, I don't use checks anymore. Right. And now you ask for the bank, hey, can you provide me, I don't know, can you send it to my home? And then they tell you, no, we can't send it to your, to your home. You can do it via app. Please send us a fax or yeah. please come to our branch and we will provide you with all of the checks, right? The written checks that you asked for. That's a bad user experience for me. Doesn't matter if it was like how it was communicated and so on. It was a bad customer experience overall. Now, as a user of digital products, when I will see a bank that have all of the future of my current banks, in addition to the fact that they will, I don't know, send me a check and a check package on demand to my home when I will press on the button, I would probably go to that bank, the bank that provided me with better experience, customer and user experience with their uh, app. So what we learn here, basically, what we learn here is that the company, or specifically in this case, the bank that provided me with better user experience mm. was the one that I chose as a customer. Like, so what we learn here is that good UX is good business. Okay. When you have like, good UX, it's good for business and writing is designing. So the words that you have in a digital interface comes mm. and those words would be the words that will decide eventually in addition to the design, in addition to the customer support, in addition to the whole package, if the experience of your app is going to be enough for the end user or not. It's good for retention, means more people coming back to your app and product and services and company versus in addition to less churn means less people leaving your products and services. And the banking app is the most simple way to go because we talked about FinTech, but it's actually going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's already happening in all of the digital experiences that we have because there isn't a single company in the world that didn't do digital transformation. So as long as there is digital transformation, there's going to be demand for UX writing mm. and we need to invest heavily in thinking about it and doing it and being good at it. Otherwise, it's bad for business. I want to say one, one last thing about that. When your customers slash users use your app, experience is not being compared to your competition. It's not compared to other banks necessarily. It's mm. being compared to the whole experiences they get in digital land. I mean, that if Twitter have a very great sharing feature and it works really well somehow. Mm. So if you have this sharing feature that, I don't know, in your app and it's like a fintech app even, and it's not competition with Twitter, the fact that Twitter released a feature that works really well, now you're competing with that experience in a way. So now you need to create better sharing experience in your product. So that's why it's difficult also to be good at UX, by the way. But why do I need to hire a UX content writer? Of course, you can always push that can one, one feet longer and delay that time. I'm yeah. working with clients, okay? Yeah. 
By the way, my name is Yuval Keshtefer. I'm the founder of the UX Writing Hub. The UX Writing Hub is the platform that is an educational platform, means that we have UX writing courses, but we're mm-hmm. also doing UX writing projects for clients and for companies. That's me right. in a nutshell. So in addition to other stuff that I'm doing, I'm not going to talk about it right now. So when I work with clients for UX writing projects, mm-hmm. it's very common that the step that I'm stepping in is that, and that's the most common step. That step is right. too late. Okay. And what do I mean when I say too late? It means that they build already a legacy product. They have designers, they have developers, they have roadmaps and so on. Mm-hmm. They don't have consistent writing in their app, which create confusion in the user experience. Mm. Uh, it means that they have a lot of unclarities in their app. And a lot of times the problem comes to the surface and then it's clear, oh, okay, so now we need a UX writer, but then we step right. in and the problem is way deeper. It's the way you do your naming convention internally, the way you talk with your team and communicate with each other about the different features, right? It's about, okay, so we have, let's say we're building Spotify now, right? So how... Are we going to call a playlist? Are we going to call it a playlist? Are we going to call it a list? Are we going to call it a soundtrack? I don't know because, but billions of people are going to see it and it's better be good. Okay. So the step that I'm stepping in a UXLA project, in the most common areas is too late. And then when I step in, it's clear that they have something that I call a content debt. And right. like, like any debt, you have compound, compounding interest rates for it. And just like in UX design, if you do it poorly in the early days, uh, it's going to be bad mm. in later stages. My grandmother used to say, if you want to build a house, you need to lay out foundations. And if you didn't lay out strong foundation for your content operations and your UX content, then your UX writing and your UX design and the way that you build the experience Mm. of your product, Mm. you're going to pay for it. If not today, you're going to pay for it later. Could you tell me a bit more about this idea of content debt? I find it very interesting. You spoke about this in your podcast episode with a colleague of mine. It's a very good question. How to measure your content debt? And the way to measure content debt is when you actually end up having the first proactive UX writer for your company. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they tell you, listen, I have too much on my plate. We need more. So then you need to hire like five, six more. And that's your debt. You, you, instead of fixing it in advance, you now need a lot of people to do it and it costs you a lot of money. But that's one. The second thing is that, yeah, it's all about time. So you hire someone and then they dive into the product and they see a lot of like something I call dusty corners in the product. Mm-hmm. Nobody touched touch the content of those areas maybe since day one, since they launched the product and it can be right. there for like years, five years, six years, seven years. Right. And that's the depths you need to 
go into the dusty corners and you need to clean them up real good and to rewrite the copy. And, and it takes a lot of time and lots of efforts. Got it. Got it. So anything that is taking up a lot more time than usual in terms of UX writing is the content debt. That's like the operational content debt. But you have another content debt, which is the amount of users that you lost because right. of unclarity. Maybe if your pricing page was a bit clearer, you could earn more users, like right. 20-30% more users. That's yeah. part of the debt, right? Maybe if the experience didn't suck so much in the onboarding, you wouldn't lose so many users along the way. Maybe right. if the... UX content was better inside of the product, you had more product-led growth that's leading to more developments and more users that pay you more money. This is a company that did really well, in my opinion. They, mm. you know, they have good product-led growth. They communicate really well. Like it's a very complicated CRM system. They have mm. marketing area, they have the sales HubSpot, and they have the customer support HubSpot. And what they do really well is product-led growth. Like they hook you with their free trial right. and then you find yourself paying more and more money yeah. uh, because uh, you need to use more of it and they do a great job to communicate it to you and they do a great job to make you convert eventually. That's because of good content design. That's because of good UX writing. And those companies grow, grow and do amazing things, just like HubSpot, for example. For somebody who's really starting off their career as a UX writer, how do you really balance the need for clarity in the messaging of UX content while still having some bit of creativity and personality in your UX writing? So that's the difference between a copywriter and a UX writer. It's similar to the difference between a graphic designer and a UX designer. Right. If you really think about it, the... A user experience in uh, an app that you're using is supposed to be invisible. You shouldn't stop and you shouldn't think about it. It should be seamless. It should be clear mm. as possible. Nothing should stop you. You shouldn't have any friction at all. And that's the difference. A lot of graphic designers like to create like fancy, crazy creative uh, design. Yeah. And when they're doing the transition to UX design, it's okay. It shouldn't show necessarily personality in every single screen that you design. You should create a seamless, cohesive, consistent flow between the different screens that will make sense eventually for people. Not every sentence should be a banger. It should be a user flow. And clarity wins every time. Just clarity. Put your voice and tone in there when you can. Make it funny if you can. And make it as consistent as possible as you can. How can UX writing really drive product adoption? Because in a lot of emerging markets across Southeast Asia, digital technologies are just about kicking off. There are new segments being created, new apps launched in new product categories. First generation mobile users trying out some of these products for the first time ever. So that's a good example. And the answer to that question would always be research. Uh, for example, I know about the Uber team when they tried to implement their app in India specifically, shadowed taxi drivers, they saw how people behave, 
they noticed how the local market used these type of services so they mm -hmm. could adapt themselves. If you would look on the Indian Uber app, uh, you'll see that the design and the communication of it is going to be completely different than the American Uber app. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The type of English that they use might be simplified. Maybe they will use English for non-native speaking English, English speakers, right? So maybe the English would be like a five grade level and not 11 grade level. Right. They, try, they will try to simplify it. And they will know to do it only because of research. So they will fly to the destination. They will shadow taxi driver. They will talk with people that ordered cabs. They will notice their behavior, take notes. They will track their data and see how they behave. Mm. And based on that research, they will know how to design and communicate this app eventually. Got it. Could you really break down the differences between UX writing and traditional copywriting and how these differences impact product growth? Because it's very tantalizing to bring some of those notions into UX writing. Definitely. So there is, first of all, there is a lot of overlap between the two. And mm -hmm. then of the day, both of them should know a lot about the product that they're selling. It's all matter of the voice and tone. Okay. Mm -hmm. Imagine that your product, and this is an example I really give Imagine that your product is a bicycle. So you want to mm -hmm. buy a bike and you go to a bike store and you have the bike salesperson and that person knows everything about the bike. He knows about the features of the bike. He know, like he will sell you an experience. He will tell you, he will tell you something like you can drive in the mountains with it. He will feel you, you will understand what are your needs. You will say, okay, I want to, I don't know, I want to, to take my bikes to the mountains. So we will give you mountain bikes and you will yeah. know how to sell it aggressively yeah. also. And then you buy the bikes. And now you actually need to use that. And you go for an older sibling or a parent or a good friend and they teach you how to use that. And when they teach you how to use the bike, it's completely different tone, right? It's more educational. It's more about uh, patience. Clarity is important. Being instructional is important and, and so on. So in this specific example, the metaphor here is that the copywriter is the salesperson and the UX mm. writer is the older sibling. Uh, both of them care about you. Both of them want you to use the bike at the end of the day. Hmm. But they will have different methodologies to communicate with you uh, about that. At the end of the day, the copywriter is supposed to work with you all the way until transaction, but the UX writer catch you in that transaction all through the onboarding process, and they, they need to communicate with you. The onboarding, how to use it, so eventually you would actually end up using the product and not take your new expensive mountain bike and leave them in your garage, right? Because right. then it's not good for the company because the company would want to sell you more wheels in the future or maybe you, you'd like to upgrade in the future so you'll buy one more set of bikes. So it's yeah. in their intention so you would actually end up using the product. For a UX writer, they're in some ways the voice of the company, right? When somebody is using that app. Uh, for somebody who might not have a lot of understanding of brand tone, brand voice, and are trying this for the first time, 
how can they ensure that their UX writing aligns with the company's brand and messaging strategy? I wouldn't bother do too much about it. Mm-hmm. And again, it depends on the brand. But if it's like an e-commerce store, it's definitely need to be on brand. Yeah. Where I talked about the overlap between copywriting and UX writing. So the overlap is, I don't know, emails can be an overlap because sometimes emails are very informal. It's UX writing. Sometimes they're very transactional. That copywriting. Yep. Yep. Uh, e-commerce stores. So it's a digital experience, but it's trying to sell. So it's like kind of an overlap. But yeah, when we talked about voice and tone in digital app, uh, I think before everything else, it's important to define some kind of an internal content standard to try to naturally understand what works, what don't work and build systems based on the things that work. Mm. Uh, And use them. You have many different ways to define the voice and tone of your brand. Mm. Uh, marketing teams doing it in a great way. And I'm going back to my bicycle example. So you need to define the tone of the marketing area of the brand, but also you need to define the tone of the product area of the brand. Right. There is a very famous content design system that is open sourced. You can Google it. American FinTech app. I don't know if you need to mention. Yeah, uh, I'm over. Yeah. But they have four different companies, TurboTech, Mint, the MailChimp, they have a lot of things. Yeah. So they have the content design system, which shows how they use voice and tone in the different brands of Intuit. And that's a very good example of uh, structuring the voice and tone of an enterprise. And at the end of the day, when you dive deep into it today there's a lot of similarities it's not that different from each other like it's about being clear it's about sometimes it's technical stuff like how do we write dates and how do we write numbers but sometimes it's stuff that's a bit more holistic like how do we tell that news which kind of tone do we use when we write an error message how can we be helpful and so on because that many brands could relate to each other for a tone. Like, I'm pretty sure that uh, your fintech company mm-hmm. will check the open source content design system uh, of Intuit. There's going to be a lot of things that you can actually end up using within your own products as well. I'll definitely Instead, check it out. Check it out. Yeah, it's just material designed by Google that is used by, I don't know, thousands of product teams around the world to design system that's open source. Lovely. Thank you so much for being on the show, Yuval. Really appreciated your time. Thank you, Sarkad. It was amazing to be here. And uh, if anyone wants to reach out on LinkedIn, feel free. If you have any questions about UX writing, I'd love to answer. Guys, all the links that Yuval mentioned would be in the show description. Check out UX Writing Hub as well. Thank you for tuning into the You Incorporated podcast with me, Sankath. Please follow, rate, and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share our episodes far and wide. Follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram and sign up for our free You Incorporated newsletter at signup.theuink.co. We have all the links in our show notes. See you on the next episode.
Thank you for joining us on the Thrifty Titans podcast. I sincerely hope we were able to bring you one step closer to building and growing your venture. If you found our show useful, remember to follow, rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share our episodes far and wide. It means the world to me and my team. Follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram and don't forget to sign up for our free newsletter at join.thriftytitans.co. We have all the links available in our show notes. Welcome again to the ranks of the Thrifty Titans tribe. We're really excited to have you on board.